Hello, welcome back. This is your friendly neighborhood navigator with part two of the story titled Spiritual Flight. If you are just joining and have not already done so, it is suggested at some point to please listen to Spiritual Flight part one so the magic of this story can be uncovered. Another audio file to consider for the full scope of this unfolding would be remembering how to fly. Thank you for arriving with open ears and an open mind. As it ends up over about a two-year time span, that butterfly had been very busy performing some great alchemy from the ethereal realm in which it flew off to. During that time, a complete shedding and transformation for this person, which is indeed more material for later episodes. As my life was seemingly unraveling around me in March of 2014, I made a conscious choice to move back to Western North Carolina. It's a place I had lived in the mid-1990s and felt a strong connection with. At that time, in the 90s, I did not understand the recognition or feelings of home from a place I had never been before. Well, never been in this lifetime anyways. It was not until listening and implementing Blue Star teachings that I started to translate the subtle messages left like breadcrumbs throughout this lifetime. But now, a new perception sees it as a road map instead of a bunch of random choices. Realizing the mountains is where this person belongs, with the ability and support to take these constructs and ideas with me everywhere I go, the mission to find seven million looking in the same direction must lead us to travel and find the others willing to help build the ark. This awareness that Iron Bird was to be the first in spiritual flight one of the first to take these Blue Star teachings outside of the Northeast and create a satellite community in the Blue Ridge Mountains near the Blue Ridge Parkway and close to the Blue Star Highway in a place known as Blue Valley. This was glaringly obvious with this new lens through which to really see my own world and a larger vision. No better place than North Carolina, who was the first in mechanical flight back in 1903. Anyways, as I was preparing to move, I made sure to attend as many community gatherings and teas as possible to be sure to see all the friends and community members and welcome them to come visit the mountains. On one occasion, David Lone Bear Santa Pass was in need of a ride to one of our teas. In kindness, I offered the service. When he got in the car, I started to plug our destination into the GPS. He looked at me sort of puzzled and asked if I really listened to that thing. 
I giggled at the question and said something like, oh, it has failed me a few times. But that simple question got my brain thinking and it got us talking about how we used to navigate before the GPS and before the internet. Oh yeah, roadmaps, huh. As the ride continued, he asked out of the blue if I had ever found my butterfly pin. I reiterated what I had told him previously about how the butterfly must have really come to life and flown away because many lessons and blessings had given we new eyes since its departure. He responded with how the butterfly would come back, but it would not be the same. For a fleeting moment, I felt exhilaration at the possibility of seeing that butterfly again. But then curiosity took over. How was that possible? It had been almost two years since I lost that pin. Some time went by and I happened to see David at another Blue Star Teachings gathering. Again, he asked me if I had found the butterfly pin. The answer was still the same. I began to wonder if he had forgotten our previous conversation or if he was just trying to bring my mind back to the butterfly simply to remember the lesson woven into the experience. That evening, a handful of us ladies went out dancing after the gathering. Maggie and Leanna arrived at the dance club a short time later. They had gotten dressed and ready to come out together at Leanna's house. They both had matching hair bows pulling some hair back away from their faces on one side. In that moment, filled with the distractions of lights, sounds, and moving bodies, I did not see past the surface of this distinctly significant detail. The day before I had set out to actually move, there was another tease experience that David asked if he could catch a ride to. As we drove towards the destination, we began small talk. He asked the same question for a third time about the butterfly pin. Thinking that maybe he really was forgetting that we already had this conversation three times now, I again had the same answer about how the butterfly coming to life and flying away to shower blessings on we. He told me, that pin is coming back. It won't be the same, but you will recognize it as your own. Now, starting to wonder if he had really forgotten about our conversation or if he was giving some sort of forecast for an actual event. After listening to David Lombert Sanapas speak and teach for a few years at that point, I was starting to recognize that nothing he says is by accident. The tease event we were headed to was the last one I would be attending in Maine before moving to North Carolina. Many of the community members brought gifts to see me off with at the conclusion of the circle. Lots of feathers and rocks and 
crystals, oils, homemade cookies, and other gifts. I remember feeling so full that day, full of happiness and joy as I had never in my life woven such strong friendships and connections without these tools and teachings. I looked around the room full of fellowship and I was excited to potentially bring this to the mountains of North Carolina. I was imagining what stringing these communities all over the world would look like and feel like. In this moment, the quest for 7 million looking in the same direction, that seemed attainable. In that twinkling moment of light, a familiar face popped over to say a few words to me while I was apparently alone for a minute. It was a very pregnant Jocelyn, who was Eric's girlfriend at the time. You might remember Eric as the one who summoned the search for the lost butterfly pin in part one of this story. Jocelyn's already bright light was beaming extra bright as she was telling me she had a gift for me and she left it in the car but would be right back. She begged me not to leave before returning. How could I? With all this excitement, she had me excited about the gift also. I went through the crowd to find David so we could leave shortly after Jocelyn returned with the gift. It was getting late and we still had about an hour's drive ahead of us on snowy roads. As we waited, many people stopped through to say goodbye on their way out. Jocelyn approached us, clasping something in her mittens. She stood to face me and said that earlier in the month, Eric had gone hiking with some friends. He found this in the woods and he said it belongs to you. She opened her hands to reveal a butterfly. Not a real butterfly, but it looked to have once been attached to a barrette or another piece of costume jewelry. It was approximately the same size and shape of the butterfly pin I had lost on the beach two years previous. There it was. The butterfly had returned, just as David suggested it would. It was not the same, but I certainly recognized it as my own. He had found it, just as he said he would. He never stopped looking. Thank you for your kindness, friend. I couldn't help but to get teary. I looked at David, wondering if he and Jocelyn had orchestrated this somehow, but the genuine look of surprise and astonishment on his face told me all I needed to know. That this, too, was another divinely orchestrated breadcrumb, another confirmation that the strings of light that connect us all are real pathways that we can learn to use for the benefit of all. The next day, I was set and ready to move. The small U-Haul trailer sat in my driveway, fully loaded. All I had to do was back up to the trailer, hitch it on, and drive away. The average snowfall in this area of Maine is about 90 inches annually. As the season progresses, there's less and less places to put the snow once it's removed from your driveway or the walking paths. The driveway by March was not so easily maneuverable anymore. Be 
because of this, I, I found myself trying to perform a 20-point turn in the driveway to try and align the hitch with the trailer. I started to get frustrated at the unsuccessful attempts. As that vibration of frustration bubbled up inside, I was finding more things coming into the forefront of my mind to be frustrated about. The shedding of this human over those two years had not been the glorious spiritual awakening we all might hope for. I sat for a moment in the car and tried to regain my bearings, so to speak, asking spirit out loud for help navigating back to the frequencies of kindness, compassion, and happiness, requesting something to show me that this was indeed the right choice. Fear around a major life decision had snuck back in. In that moment, a memory crept forward. It was a memory from being three or four years old, a possible abduction scenario as a child. This story is listed in these audio files. If you're interested in listening, it's called Remembering How to Fly. The memory was when I entered the room full of children who were all dressed the same. All of the girls had a single bow in their hair, just as my friends did on that night we went out dancing. The memory brought me a step further. The one child who spoke to me using words and told me I could fly, it was Maggie. Her hair, her eyes, that distinct voice, I was sure of it. Is it possible that I could be meeting those children now? Yes, of course it is. Well, for a minute, my conditioned mind entertained the thought about how this must sound crazy convinced others would think I was crazy or really creative to dream up such a story, but this was truly happening. I started to cry. Immediately, I called Maggie. I had to share with her this revelation and see if it bears any merit with her. Through sobs and tears, I told her the story of remembering how to fly then explained how when her and Leanna showed up at the dance club and both were wearing a single bow on one side of their hair, that I did not recognize that message in the moment. But now I was remembering. I was putting all of those pieces together. I was literally getting ready to take spiritual flight. I was finally ready to take that leap in the air. I had the courage, I had community, the ancestors, and these teachings as a guide. When I started to reach the end of the story, I realized that Maggie was also sobbing. She was remembering. She shared with me her experience of being on a perceived ship. In her memory, it was the ship known as the Lost City of Atlantis. There it was, confirmations on many levels. Not only were the simplest questions answered, but also some really deep places received validation, 
corroboration and clarity for both of us and for the grander vision. These children are finding their way back to build the ark. The roadmap is our own life story. This is really happening. So simple, but so very complex. A divine dichotomy. Upon arrival in Western North Carolina, I started to look up some old friends. One friend in particular that I reconnected with and had experienced that same feeling of kinship with was Lana. The day Lana and I had opportunity to reconnect, I went to her home for a cup of tea and catching up one morning. She was showing me around her home and when we walked into her bedroom, the theme was mostly butterflies. I kinda chuckled to myself. Looking around a bit more, with discerning eyes, I noticed the wall where her vanity was, was covered in lots of jewelry. Many hooks that all had necklaces and bracelets hanging from them. Wouldn't you know, on that wall, I spied an almost identical butterfly to the one gifted to me by Eric and Jocelyn. It looked exactly the same as the one Eric found in the woods, only this one had pink stones instead of blue. Another breadcrumb, an obvious sign on the road less traveled. I have used a photo of this as the cover to this installment. The story still continues. It is ongoing and seemingly never-ending. Taking flight is a courageous act. It means standing in the unknown as you move towards what you say you want. I've heard in the ethers that spiritual flight might be the next step in our evolution. All are invited to help build the world we say we want. It takes changing focus from me to we. Each of us has a medicine or a gift to offer the world. Tapping into that requires participation. It is up to us to create the prophecy of peace, if that's what we really want. We are building the ark. The ark is the bridge to one another. If you think of the ark as a rainbow, a literal bridge, we are building this together. We are seeking the others. Let's change the way we look at things. New eyes will help you see your own roadmap and the breadcrumbs that can help with navigation. You were led here for a reason. A well-kept secret being shared with those willing to put down what they think they know for even a minute and listen with open ears and an open mind. These teachings are foundational, fundamental tools that we have forgotten about, or maybe we think we don't need kindergarten before we go off to the colleges. I'm not really sure this is something that can be fast-tracked. Slow and steady has its purpose. The blueprint has been created Let's remember together, all aboard.
and hold on for the ride of a lifetime. This is your friendly neighborhood navigator, over and out.